0: Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I teach busy mums who are trying to juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it fun and easy. You're invited to sign up to my free new me workshop. Change your mindset to healthy living in five days. Get to the bottom of those I can't do it thoughts and transform them into wow, it's so easy and fun. You can sign up at drolenacom slash new me. That's doctor D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new line in the middle me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. I'm super excited to welcome you today. I am still struggling with my ear infection. Sigh, breathe, but I'm still recording a podcast for you. How amazing is that? Today, we are talking about why aren't you losing weight? What is it that is going on to stop you losing weight? And this is A really, really interesting question. And I recently sent out a survey to people who are on my email list and asked them about their problems and their obstacles. Because the more I understand about your obstacles, the better it is that I can make tools that will help you. I didn't say that very well, did I? You know what I mean. The better I understand, the the better tools I can make for you. And I was surprised. Well, okay, I wasn't surprised. But one of the things that comes up, some of the thoughts and the comments that come up, um, some of them are really heartbreaking, actually. And some of them are just misunderstanding about things. So what I am going to do today is go through some of the things that people said on these surveys for reasons why they aren't losing weight or things that they've tried in the past and haven't lost weight. And then we are going to go through some myth-busting and some... going to give you my blueprint, the things that I use with my clients to really get them over these bumps and these hurdles. So let's dive in. So in the survey, I asked what problems people have. And the idea behind this is what problem do you have? What is stopping you from getting to where you want to be and getting where you want to be is losing weight. And what people said was, for example, that they don't walk enough or they don't exercise enough. Somebody, and this is what I find heartbreaking, said, I'm fat, I'm lazy, I don't lose sleep over it because I know that the lack of physical activity is a contributing factor. Well, yes and no. Big, big no. We'll come to that in a minute. And I asked people what they had tried and what did work and what didn't work. So some people said they had tried decreasing their carbs. Some people said they had tried calorie counting. Calorie counting does not work, my friends. Diets do not work. Keto, they. Worked for one month, and then it was hard to try, and then it was hard to stay on. Everything somebody else said, weight watchers, but then after a while, um, the, gain, the weight gained just came back. And somebody said that they tried to eat less, and that didn't work. They tried a, a drug called duramine, which is an um, appetite suppressant. So all of these ideas that are coming out, and so many of them, I can see how these ideas stop you from moving forwards. Somebody else said, when I asked um, what solution they would like, they said, well, it depends on the work I'd have to put in. And these are all ideas and myths that I want to bust. So one of the things is about putting in work. Well, it kind of depends on what kind of work you're talking about. And I think one of the bottom lines that you can't change is that If you are in a place where you have more weight than you want, that means that what has happened in the past however many years has not been working for you or has led to you putting on weight. And one of the big ideas that I see is that it takes time to put on weight and people expect to lose weight in a couple of weeks. And people have this idea, oh, well, it's taken me five years to get here. I've been putting on weight in the last five years, but you know what? I'm not going to eat anything for two weeks and then I'll just get back to my normal weight and then I'm going to start that process all over again. Well, clearly it doesn't work that way. And so this idea of being on keto and it not working or trying all these other things and they work for a little bit and they just don't They just don't work in the long run. And actually it's interesting. I've been reading The Obesity Code, which is a really interesting read, Um, and goes over the um, insulin theory, and I'll explain this to you in a minute, but one of the things he says in this book is that diets do not work. And they may work in the short term. You may see an initial loss of weight, but the long-term outcomes are that diets do not work. And he was specifically looking at the Atkins diet and saying that did have some really good outcomes to begin with, but then people stopped being able to stick to this Atkins diet. If you remember, the Atkins diet was... Essentially, a high protein diet. Well, I think it morphed. I think it started as a high fat diet and then it changed into a high protein diet. But what people really want to eat are cakes and treats and carbohydrates, and there was no room in that diet for that. And so, after a while, people just stopped being on it. And the long term outcomes of all of the studies that basically look at diets mean that you end up putting the weight back on again. And that's really important because this idea that whatever we're doing for five years leads to where we are. And then we're going to change our diet, the way we eat for a few weeks, a few months, get back to our initial thin self and then just start all over again. That clearly doesn't work. And what we need to do is steer the boat. It's like the boat now is heading from, let's say, Barcelona, because that's where I am, heading out to Barcelona and aiming for New York. Okay, we're going to have to go through the Mediterranean, the the, the little gap there. Okay, but do you see what I see? Say, we're going to New York, and the boat is heading to New York, but actually, you want to go down to South America. So you have to gradually, gradually turn that boat and you have to sustain that and stay on course. And that means finding a way of eating that you can sustain. And it's not about a diet. It's not about restricting yourself. It's about finding a way of eating that you can truly stick to. And OK, it may involve some changes right at the beginning. And the change is always difficult for people because it's new and it's different and we don't know what to expect, but we have to embrace it entirely. And I'm gonna show you how to do it in a way that is fun and easy. Everything is always fun and easy in my world. So I think one of the big things that really came out from this little experiment that I did, this looking at people's thoughts behind why they couldn't lose weight, was this misunderstanding that I can't do it. It's too difficult for me. There's too much work involved. And it's almost as if anything that I do is going to have no consequences. And I can understand that to a certain extent, because quite often what happens is you try one way of eating, you try a diet, it doesn't work. You try this, it doesn't work. You don't see lasting effects. and You get to this stage where you think nothing actually works. But you have to understand that our bodies are our bodies. And if I were to say to you, "Okay, don't eat anything for three months, you know that you would lose weight. Now, I'm clearly not suggesting that. But my point is, is that physiology works. And physiology is difficult to understand in terms of nutrition because we're only now beginning to see how nutrition works and understand how we gain weight. And the reason we gain weight all comes down to insulin. And I'm going to explain insulin in just a moment. But so the number one thing that you really have to believe is that your actions have results. Because when you feel that it's all genetic or it doesn't matter what I do, then there is no incentive for you to change the way you eat. If you're not going to get there anyhow, then you might as well carry on with what you're doing. But you know that carrying on with what you're doing is just going to lead to more of what you've already got. So changes are good, but we have to make the right changes. So let's take a step back. That's step one. Step two is thinking about your nutritional blueprint. Now, I always say that nutrition is individual And it is. Certain things affect certain people in different ways. So, for example, you may be allergic to milk. You may not be allergic to milk. Interestingly, there is a genetic mutation. By default, adults aren't supposed to be able, supposed to is not the right word, but adults cannot digest milk, but there is a genetic mutation that comes about from Hungary. So over thousands of years, this genetic mutation has spread into populations and allows us to, I say us, me, my father is Hungarian, to digest milk. So some people have no problems with milk and some people have a lot of problems with milk. Now, my father is Hungarian and I have absolutely no problems with milk, but lots of people do. And the same is true of other things. Some people are really sensitive to gluten, some people less so. So the things that we eat affect our body individually, but also the things that we enjoy eating are individual. And we have to take both of those into consideration when we're thinking about your nutritional blueprint. However, we also have to have a look at why we have so much obesity in the world. And this is something that is just beginning to come out. People are beginning to think about it. So if you're interested, books that I would recommend reading are The Obesity Code. And Michael Mosley has also written loads of interesting books about insulin and diabetes and the biome and different things like that. Now, the main crux of the matter is the reason we put on weight is a hormonal imbalance. And the main two culprits are insulin and cortisol. If you feed people insulin and cortisol, um, you just give it to them, they will get fat. Now, if you have ever worked in a hospital, you know this. You know that people who take steroids, they get truncal obesity. It's one of the main side effects of cortisol. Well, sorry, of Prednisolone of hydrocortisone, these are steroids, these are artificial steroids that mimic the, the one that's in our blood, which is cortisol. And the same is true of insulin. If we look at insulin, insulin is the hormone that people who have diabetes lack. So if you have type 1 diabetes, you create no insulin. And prior to us working out that we could give people insulin, people who had diabetes died of malnutrition. They just couldn't absorb any of the calories that there were in their food. And a lot of people died of this until some clever person worked out how you could give people insulin. And equally, if you have ever worked with people who are diabetic, if you give them too much insulin, then they put on weight. So we know that insulin and cortisol make us fat they put on weight and this is really the crux of what is going on when people get fat now what is insulin and why does our body create it well when we eat food we get glucose in our we get sugar in our bloodstream and glucose is what we use for fuel and we want to we want to store this fuel now the thing about glucose and all our body is our body is constantly striving to maintain things within a certain balance. So for example, if we get hot, our body does things like sweating to make us cooler. If we get cold, our body does things like shivering to make us feel warmer. Glucose in our bloodstream is fine within certain parameters. But if we have really, really high levels of glucose in our body, it damages our end organs. It damages our capillaries. And that is why we see people who have diabetes who have complications of diabetes. It affects their kidneys. It affects their eyes. It affects basically all parts of them. High, high levels of glucose for a long period of time in our body are toxic. And so what our body does is it secretes this Hormone called insulin, which brings down glucose. And how does it bring down glucose? What it does is it puts it into all the cells so that we can use it as energy. And when there's some left over, it stores it as fat. Now, the metabolism of insulin is relatively complicated. And I have done a video for people who are interested in my vip area there is a video called how to lose weight to regain your health and in that video i go more into the metabolism of insulin and this mechanism and it is complicated too much insulin makes us fat and now how does this equate to the way we eat why is it that the way we eat now means that we are so much fatter than we used to as a population and the reason is this we are eating more added sugars and more refined flours. And there are other components too, but those are the really, really big ones. So if, for example, I eat an apple, yes, it contains sugar in it, but it also contains lots of other stuff like fibre and other goodies. If I eat apple juice, I'm just drinking fat sugar. And we take it a step further. What we're actually doing is adding sugar to loads and loads of other other products. And we're constantly eating sugar and just thinking, oh, it's just a little bit of sugar. But what happens is as we put our insulin levels up, we've got our body in fat storage mode and we aren't giving our bodies time to use that fat. So what would normally happen is you would eat something Then your sugar and your insulin levels go up. Your insulin goes, hey, we're going to store all this energy. And then after a while, you get hungry and think, oh, I need to use some of this energy. And that is really the crux of losing weight. In order to lose weight, you have to give your body a chance to use the fat as energy. You have to be able to burn it off. And The way you burn it off is you just turn it into carbon dioxide and water. That sounds very simple, but the mechanism behind that is very complicated and what you study in biochemistry. But you have to give your body the opportunity to take that fat and use the energy. And what would we we would normally do is eat, store food, get hungry, use the energy that's in our body. But now what happens is we eat, we store food, we eat a little bit more, we store some more food, we eat a little bit more, we store some more food. And because we are eating more frequently, and because we are eating more sugary and floured things that are pushing our insulin levels up. We are never giving our bodies a chance to push the insulin down, to let the insulin drop and allow our bodies to access that those stores of fat. And that is the crux of understanding why we put on fat. And once you can understand that, it all kind of falls into place. So you have to kind of imagine this imaginary line and if you go back to before your body was overweight, there was this imaginary line of how how much your insulin got pushed up. And if you pushed your insulin level up consistently over that line for long periods of time, you weren't giving your body enough time to utilize that. Fact, now, This level is probably different for different people. And I say imaginary because we don't know what that level is. You could go and work it out if you did lots of blood tests. I'm sure you could work it out. But that's not the important thing. If you then look at your diet and go, okay, well, perhaps I'm eating lots of refined carbohydrates and lots of sugar, but what I'm going to do is stop eating cake. Well, if you stop eating cake or chocolate or whatever the one thing is and you don't bring your entire insulin level down to below that line, it isn't going to make any difference. And that can be really frustrating because you think, oh, I'm making this change and I see no difference. Now, There is a difference on one level, because if you can say, okay, I'm going to drop my mid-morning snack, or instead of eating cake, I'm going to eat an apple, it has an impact in terms of healthy habits, in terms of mindset and thinking, okay, I can eat an apple and not the cake, or I can skip this snack. But in terms of reducing your insulin level, it has no difference depending on what else you're eating now if you're very close to your insulin level and the difference is between that mid-morning snack and not having that mid-morning snack and you cut out that mid-morning snack then you might get your insulin level lower and then give your body a chance to start to start using its fat so what does this mean for everybody what it means is that Although nutrition is individual, there are certain pieces of advice that everybody who is trying to lose weight needs to have a good, hard think about. So I will go through all of these. The first one is to reduce your added sugar and refined flour because those are the really big things that we are eating that push our insulin levels up. So, number one, reduce added sugar and refined flour. Number two, moderate your protein consumption. Now, protein will also increase your insulin. It doesn't increase your glucose levels, but it does directly increase your insulin level. And protein is something that is relatively controversial. You want to have good quality protein and you want to be having a little bit of protein every single day. But what you don't want is loads and loads of protein. Number three is think about natural fats. Now, we have been told this basically lie over the last however many years that low fat diets are good for us and we are beginning to see that this is not true and the big piece of information there's lots of bits of information but the really big one is the predimed study which i have talked about before and i have also interviewed one of the clinical coordinators of that talking specifically about olive oil but other oils as well are good we don't need to exclude fat from our diets And part of the reason for this is if you exclude fat from your diet, then you automatically increase your carbohydrate level because there are only three macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates and fat. So if you exclude one of them, you push one or both of the other ones up. So natural fats are good and we have to stop worrying about counting calories and we have to stop worrying about low fat everything. It is not Eating fat that makes us fat. And I know that this can be difficult to understand, but it is true. Number four, fiber. Fiber is so amazingly important to us. Now, fiber is not something that we use as energy, it's kind of a bulking material. And we talked about this with Dr. Zarin when we talked about how to lead a heart healthy life. And I also did an entire podcast on how to eat 30 grams of fiber a day. Now, if you want to eat more than 30 grams of fiber a day, fabulous, go for it. But 30 is really the minimum that we should be looking at. So eating fiber is, it helps you moderate your insulin level. So it helps you reduce your insulin level. And vinegar is another example that does the same. And everyone talks about apple cider vinegar and talks about having a glass of water with a splash of apple cider vinegar in before a meal. And that will help you to reduce your insulin level. So all of these things are thinking about reducing your insulin levels. Fats, incidentally, do not trigger your insulin, not in the same way as proteins do. So fats have a very mild effect on practically nothing on insulin. And the last thing to think about when we think about a nutritional blueprint is when to eat. And I have to say, I realized that I was very lucky growing up and my parents just instilled in me this way of eating. We didn't snack all the time. We didn't have supper after dinner. We just had three meals a day plus a snack in the morning, but our days were quite long. And so that's a really good way of being. You don't want to be snacking frequently. And you want to make sure that overnight you have at least 12, if not 14 hours of not eating. And that gives your insulin levels a chance to really, really drop. And for your body to start utilizing its stores of energy, glucagon, which you find in its liver, in your liver. And really start to play around with that. Now, I have done another whole podcast on intermittent fasting, so I'm not going to get into it here. So nutrition in a nutshell. It's all about insulin and cortisol. I haven't really talked about cortisol here. Cortisol, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. But so it's all about insulin and cortisol. And the big pieces of advice are reduce added sugar and refined flour, moderate protein consumption, natural fats, specifically olive oil, fiber, aka fruit and vegetables, but vegetables more than fruit, vinegar, and thinking about when you eat. And the other three keys to thinking about weight loss are sleep. There's so much evidence to show that if you sleep well, get at least eight hours of sleep, then you, well, there's so many benefits. And I've done a whole podcast on this, but weight loss is one of them. Exercise. Now, this is one of the things that I find very frustrating is people have this idea, when I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to do loads and loads of exercise. It's 95% diet that is going to help you lose weight. Exercise is great. And I recommend that everybody do exercise, but not for weight loss. You do exercise to strengthen your muscles, your bones, to get all these health benefits, to feel fit and fabulous, to help you feel wonderful, but not really for weight loss. It's like 5% of weight loss. It contributes a little bit, but it doesn't contribute much. The big bucks are in your diet and how you're going to eat. So when we think back to all those problems and people saying, well, I'm fat, I'm lazy, I don't lose sleep over it because I know that the lack of physical activities is a contributing factor. It's such a small contributing factor that it really doesn't matter. If you focus on eating in a healthy way that you can manage and really build up that habit of, okay, I'm going to change the way I eat and I'm going to find a way of eating that I can sustain forever, that I really will enjoy, will be easy and fun then you've nailed it. And the exercise can come later when you've started to lose weight and and you want to actually feel fit and fabulous and amazing. 95% of it is diet, not exercise. So for all of you people who say, I can't lose weight because I just can't walk, I can't do this, I can't do that. It does not matter. Look to what you're eating. The last piece of the puzzle is mindfulness and stress. And there are so many benefits of mindfulness. I did a podcast on meditation and I'll leave links to those in the show notes. And one of the reasons for this is cortisol. Now, I'm not going to give you a physiology lesson now, but the reason why sleep, exercise and mindfulness help, well, partly they help with your insulin. So for example, exercise does help you lower your insulin, but it also helps you reduce your cortisol levels. So in a nutshell, everybody, the first thing that you need to do is understand that your actions do have results. You can lose weight. Once you understand what you have to do and think, okay, I can do this small step, this one little bite. I can do this and then I can build on that and I can do the next step. But the most important thing is to believe that you can do it. Now, you can't believe that you could do it and then carry on eating cake the whole time because clearly that isn't going to work. It doesn't mean you can't ever eat cake. Of course you can. You can eat cake and no treats are, nothing is forbidden in moderation in a healthy diet. But it's about moderation. And another thing I would say is once you start learning to eat in this healthy way, you stop craving all that packaged food because You just get used to the healthy, natural food. But the first step is knowing that you can do it. And the few other steps beyond that are understanding exactly what you have to do. So working out your nutritional blueprint. So for any of you who are interested, any of you who think, okay, this all sounds great, but I don't really understand what exactly I have to eat. I don't understand how I'm going to create my blueprint. Now, I have given you the framework. You can work it out with what I've told you now. But if you're still struggling, then just give me a shout and we can jump on the call. And if you want to work together, that's fabulous. I offer everybody a free half hour session. So you can chat to me and talk to me about your problems and we can come up with a solution. And if we want to carry on working together, that's fabulous. If not, that 30 minutes is a really good boost to help you understand where your next step is going to be. Step number one, know that your actions have results and that you can lose weight. This is the first step and then everything else falls into this place once you understand that insulin is the driver of putting on weight. Okay, my friends, have a lovely day and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would be really grateful if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for the New Me Challenge. Dig out those I can't do it thoughts and replace them with, wow, this is easy and fun. You can sign up at dralina.com slash new me. That's d-r-o-r-l-e-n-a.com slash new dash in the middle me. Have a lovely week and see you next week. Goodbye.